you're all very welcome along to this, our seventh episode of the Right to Change radio podcast. And I want to give a very big, warm Right to Change welcome to my guest this week, Senator Francis Black. Lovely to talk to you, Dominic, and thanks for inviting me today to the podcast. Well, it's very definitely my pleasure. And I'd like to talk to you about a few things, as I like to do in these little talks, is to ask questions for people who may not be fully aware of what's going on. Say, for example, now with the situation in Palestine, we've got a ceasefire and it's in the news, then suddenly it's out of the news. And to ask you really, what is the situation as it stands at the moment? Yeah, so at the moment, as you know, um, there's a ceasefire. um, And as you can imagine, there were many people killed um, in the um, conflict that happened last week and the week before where uh, Israel were bombing Gaza. Um, And like a ceasefire is one thing. And thank God there's a ceasefire. And it's great that no more people are being killed. Um, But the actual situation in Gaza at the moment is horrendous. And Dominic, I went out to visit. uh, I was in the West Bank in 2018, and I I was very fortunate to get to visit Gaza as well. And what what I saw out there was truly, it will stay with me for the rest of my days. And um, the week I went out there in in 2018 was just before um, the the border protest um, marches that were happening Yes. Um, where yeah. people from Gaza were marching out to the to the to the border and they were protesting, and where I think there was something like eighty people were were killed, um, in those protests in those peaceful protests. That's I right. Had. Yes. And yeah. um, what I saw out there, I was I was really shocked what I saw because when you get into Gaza, you have no idea the deprivation that people are living under. Um, there's over 2 million people living in a place that's half of the size of County Loud. Um, and they're all living on top of each other. Um, they're, uh, obviously, the roads, the cars, there are cars there, uh, very old buckety cars. The roads yeah. are very buckety. But the fact that their their water can has gets cut off, their electricity gets cut off, um, they're not. There's nobody really allowed in and out of Gaza. Um, their medical care is 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 not good. And then you have a situation where what happened last week, where the hospital was bombed, where orphanages were bombed, um, and you know one of the top leading doctors in Gaza was killed along with his family. That's right. Um, That's right. And particularly with COVID at the moment, um, and. I actually uh, released a song just over the last week or so, um, and I was very fortunate to get some footage of of Gaza of the last uh, eight days. And I just, so many people have been left homeless, along with family members being killed. Like, it's just horrendous. It's just horrendous. And then, you know, we look at the, if we go to the West Bank and the ongoing um, the illegal and ongoing annexation that's happening over there and the illegal seizure of Palestinian lands by the Israeli occupier. Um, and, in, and I know we had a motion uh, in the Dáil last week. Thankfully, that was passed. Yes. It was brought, it, thankfully, all parties supported it. 
Um, and, mm. you know, that that was condemning the illegal displacement of Palestinian families and communities from their homes and from their land. And, you know, Ireland, we're lucky that in Ireland we stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people, you know, and, and assert their inalienable right to their homes um, and to their land and to their homeland and to their and to their right to self-determination and, you know, and a right that I believe can never be distinguished. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. I think, I think that's what so, But, the, but um, then, like, I mean, from, from an absolutely practical point of view, that's fantastic. How much of a change is that going to make to the awful things that you've just been describing, that you've seen? How, how much of a change do you think well, that might well, make? The reason for the motion last week, it, we were the first, we are the first country yeah. to bring in a motion like this against, you know, against this um, annexation. And I, I have no doubt that the message that it, that sent out internationally, not only to the people of Palestine, who, as we all know, were so appreciative at last one of the countries. Now, it's not, I'm not saying it's enough, Dominic, I'm yeah. not saying it's enough. Yeah. Right. This is only the first tiny step. That's all I'm saying. It's the first tiny step of sending out that solidarity to the Palestinian people. So that brings me uh, to speak about the Occupied Territories Bill, which is a bill that I introduced into Shannon Aaron back in 2018. And it passed all stages in the Shannon. And then it was introduced in the Dáil by Fianna Fáil. um, back again in 2018 um, to go through the doll stages. It didn't finally make it, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But Sadly, the bill, yeah. just, to say what, just to say what the bill does, Dominic, um, the bill it seeks to end Irish trade uh, in goods produced in the illegal settlements in the occupied territories. Now, the thing about this bill, and I think it's important just to say this, that we're not just talking about Israeli goods here, we're talking about goods produced in illegal settlements beyond Israel's border in Palestine. Yeah. And the, the settlements, as I said a while ago, these settlements are totally illegal under international law. And as I said, they're actually war crimes. And the UN and the EU and the Irish government keep saying that they're illegal. But despite this, the settlements continue to be built slowly taking Palestinian land. They won't and use they are... the words war crimes, though, will they? They might say, oh. well, it's illegal. Or they might kind of say, well, we don't approve. Well, but... they say, well what they say is they're breaking international law, which to me is a war crime. Sure. If you're breaking international law, then that's a war crime. So, you know, and that's, that's just reality. You know, and, and, and what they're doing is they're, te- they're extracting valuable natural resources and agricultural produce which are then exported and sold around the world. And I think, Dominic, that this is there's a clear hypocrisy here. So how can we condemn the settlements as illegal and as theft of land and resources, but then happily buy the proceeds of this crime? You know, I mean, like in the West Bank in, in Palestine, families are kicked out of their homes. Yeah. Like fer- fertile, fertile farming land is taken. Imagine like. Yeah. And, well, just and taken, yes. And the fruit and vegetables produced are exported to pay for the occupation. So if we're buying these goods, we're supporting the theft of Palestinian land. And it's 100% wrong. It just is not right. 
And so, when you look back at our own history, when you look back at our own history, maybe, you know, going quite a, quite a way back, um, there yeah. is a parallel. And, you, you know, we, you would think that maybe this country b would be a little bit more sympathetic or a little bit more proactive. But um, the fact of the matter well, the remains... People, the, people, the people in Ireland... Yes. Have, you know, I, I, I'm amazed at the support that I get personally because of this bill and, and the support of this bill, you know, mm -hmm. in Ireland. I mean, you know, I am getting like constantly people are emailing me, asking me, what can we do, Francis? How can we support? This is a really important bill. You know, like, you know, back in, in the 80s, there was two amazing women in Dunn stores who refused oranges because of the apartheid situation right. in yeah. South Africa, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I believe, you know, and, and like back then, you know, the same argument that they're, that they used then, they're using now, they said it would break EU rules and isolate Ireland internationally, but that didn't happen. We actually stood up for human rights and justice and charted a path for the world to follow. So we can do the same here again. And I really believe it's time for Ireland to show some leadership on this. You know, and for decades, we've done nothing but condemn. Condemnation is not enough anymore. You know, yeah. there has to be some there has to be action. There has to be actually there has to be action. And consequences. There has mm -hmm. to be consequences to, what, to what's happening over there and to the behaviour that's happening. So listen, I was at this point, I was going to ask you, would you have um, a piece of music that you'd like to share with us and talk about it for a minute, if you like, and tell us why? OK, so, um, yeah, I mean, when you when you ask me about the music piece, I, I have to say that always when I'm asked about my favourite piece of music, um, I have to say it's something from James Taylor from the Mudslide Slim album. Now, that album, I, I received that album on my 15th birthday by a friend of mine who was a boy, but he wasn't a boyfriend. He was about 16. He was my brother's friend. Um, and he gave me an album, this album, Mudslide Slim by James Taylor. And to this day, it was my first ever album that I ever had. And to this day, it's still my all time favorite album. I think I must have played it to death and I still listen to it today and the song that I'd like you to play um, is a very short song um, on the album and it's called Long Ago and Far Away and it's the first song that I ever sang publicly um, at that age when I was 15 oh, I sang it for the first time well, uh, first time at a sing song we had in the house and that was the first song I sang This is as much a pleasure for me as it is for you so long ago and far away from the wonderful Mudslide Slim album by James Taylor. Long ago a young man sits and plays his waiting game But things are not the same it seems As in such tender dreams Slowly passing sailing ships and Sunday afternoon Like people on the moon I see Are things not meant to be Where did those golden rainbows end Why is this song so sad Dreaming the dreams I've dreamed my friend 
Loving the love I love to love is just a word I've heard when things are being said. Stories my forehead has told me cannot stand the cold. And in between what might have been and what has come to pass. A misbegotten guess, alas, and bits of broken glass. Where do your golden rainbows end? Why is the song I sing so? Well, that's the marvelous James Taylor fading away there into the distance with Long Ago and Far Away. And the first choice of my guest, Francis Black who's going to tell me now, I hope, a little bit more about other things that you're involved with in the Shannon. Um, would you like to just elaborate, maybe tell us a little yeah. bit? Because I, I know you're involved with the Good Friday Im- Implementation Committee. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, um, you know, I, I love being on the Good Friday Implementation Committee and it's um, obviously a joint committee, all parties. Uh, but we also have parties from the North as well. Um, I know the SDLP, Sinn Féin, um, uh, the Green Party and the Alliance Party um, are also allowed to join that committee. Um, and the reason why I, I suppose I'm very passionate about my father is an Antrim man for starters. Um, he came from a small island off North Antrim called Rattlin Island. So I would have spent a lot of my time childhood, you know, traveling up and down up to Rattlin Island and particularly during the conflict. And I suppose, you know, I, I, I would have seen a lot of, I suppose, the devastation and the impact of the conflict in my travels going up as a child, you know, crossing the border and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, in the last uh, in the last um, um, t- t- the, in 2016, the last term um, uh, when I was elected in 2016, uh, I was later on, there was a Brexit committee um, when Brexit happened. And um, we went up, Brexit committee went up and visited the North and we got to meet many different people from all communities, all walks of society, from business, from farming communities, you know, who talked about their concerns around Brexit. And out of that, then later on, there was a, um, an event that happened called Beyond Brexit in the water waterfront oh, hall, yes, and there, yes. was, there was over two thousand people at that event, um, and you could, re- you could the energy in the room that time was in general was people were scared of what was going to happen when 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 Brexit happened, you know, um, and scared of what was going to happen to their lives. So out of that then grew an organisation called Ireland's Future, where a group of people from um, civil society came together um, and asked me to become the chair of the organisation. So these are people from all walks of life uh, who come together to say, look, what's going to happen? And really what Ireland's Future is an organisation that um, advocates and promotes debate on what, uh, you know, planning and preparing for what New Ireland would look like um, and what constitutional change would look like. So, so what we do really is we hold different events, we um, engage with different, we're not, uh, we're not aligned with any political party, and I really want to make that clear, we're not aligned with any political party, we are just an organisation who wants to work towards planning, preparing for what New Ireland would look like, with everybody included, an all-inclusive um, island 
where everybody is included, that we have a, a really powerful um, island where we can all, from all different cultures, from all different backgrounds, we can all work together and live together. And I think planning and preparing for that is key with the aim of maybe um, a citizens' assembly down the line. So that's, that's what I'm very involved in. It is very, in. So very hope... important at the moment. I mean, really, you know, when you said there, people are very worried, not just about their livelihoods, but, you know, worried that this fragile piece that has always been a little bit more fragile maybe than we've known, but since Brexit, and particularly since Brexit, you know, because we have the protocol thing and a lot of people are not happy about that and one community is there and you know one community sort of feels like well the EU now are using this as a, a leverage to kind of get at them it's very yeah. important that as many people as possible from all sides of the debate um, mm -hmm. could come together you know yeah. in, in, in 100% a, yeah. yeah I mean and I think that's what's really I mean you know constitutional change has to be on the basis of the consent of the citizens of the island of Ireland as informed by the Good Friday Agreement and as I say Ireland's future advocate and promote debate and discussion and, and that really does include the possibility and viability of new constitutional arrangements on the island you know and you know we have to be guided. Look Brexit has drastically, dramatically changed the social and political dynamic on this island and Ireland's future like you know, we have uh, people from civil society from all different backgrounds. We have Trevor Lunn, um, who is from the unionist background, as is Reverend Karen Sutherman. Um, so we're, you know, we're we're all in, an all inclusive organisation that wants to bring people together and wants to promote and protect human rights equality and, and the fostering of mutual respect. So I think that's really important. So that, so that's why I feel for me, my work on the Good Friday Agreement is, is very important. But I'm on, on the on the committee, but I'm also uh, the chair of, of um, the cross party of Oftus, uh mental health committee as well uh, in 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 um, in Leinster House. And that's something again that I'm really passionate about um, and the reason why that I'm so I suppose passionate about that is because of my work I'm the founder of a charitable organization called the Rise Foundation. The Rise Foundation yes yeah. yes and, and like God there's no doubt about it it's not that these things are all unconnected because exactly. with with Brexit with Covid mm. I mean really it, these are very, very challenging times. There's there's no other way of putting it. And I mean, even think and, that's not strong yeah. enough. But for, for so, so many people, it's very challenging and beyond challenging. A hundred percent, Dominic. And I have to say, you know, that like people have been just devastated by, by COVID. And I'm not even sure if, if scale of the problem has really shown itself, if you know what I mean. I mean... Like the scale and the speed and the nature of COVID-19 pandemic is really beyond anything that we've ever most experienced, of us have yeah. ever experienced in our lifetime. And the mental health issues associated with this pandemic, Dominic, is going to is likely to surpass anything that we've ever we've ever previously experienced. And like mental health reform are, are a great organization they're an advocacy organization for, for mental health in Ireland. And they published research that demonstrates 
significant public demand for, for, for greater action by the government and agencies to respond to the mental health impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, there's, there's so many people have been impacted. I mean, you know, I think it's over 50% reported that the COVID-19 pandemic has had a negative or very negative impact on their mental health and well-being in general. So like, yeah. and that this is something that I think we're really going to have to address. And this is from all walks of life. Do you know what I mean? Well, from um, all walks of life. And, and there's like, there's a certain, there are different ways it's going to affect different people. You know, some mm. people will say, well, I can't meet people. Other people are struggling desperately financially. Other yeah. people who I would know because I'm a piano teacher, I'm a musician. I know many musicians who are out there, you know, uh, working the live circuit. And, you know, there's just a little bit more, a good bit more, sorry, than your week's wages that's disappearing yeah. from underneath you. You know, there's that thing that people did on a Thursday, Friday and Saturday. They put a guitar into the boot of the car and they went off and sang. And that's not yeah. just all about money. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, the money comes into it big time as well. And um, so, exactly. you know, like there's all these different people who lost their jobs. Some people who would have found it desperately challenging to be working from home, for example. Exactly. Exactly. And we don't we, you know, we can't underestimate the impact of of that and the isolation in all of that, you know, and even just. You know, the fact when people can't meet, you know, can't meet people at the weekend, you can't go to somebody's house and hang out with them. I mean, that all has a huge impact, you know, it has. and I think it's it, there's so much of it. And then you have, you know, the, the impact on the older generation, the, the impact on health workers, yeah. you know, and what what they've come to and the trauma of what they've come to and families of health workers who every time their loved one went out the door. They were wondering are they going to come back with COVID and you know I yeah. mean oh it was, it was absolutely so terrifying here. and yeah. and here we are talking in the past tense it's still going exactly. on thank very God. much you know well we're talking yeah, in the past God. tense hopefully for for that level of it what we had yeah. this time yeah. last year around the nursing exactly. homes and around you know people who are health workers yeah. I'm going to ask yeah. you Francis if you have a second uh, piece of music for us at this stage okay so. This might be a little bit unusual, but um, I'm a huge fan of Michal O'Donnell. Um, he was in the Botley Band. He was oh, in, yeah. and uh, he had a he was in a band called Scarabray with his two sisters, and um, there was another guitar player. I can't think of his name, but um, his two his two sisters are um, Trina Nigonal and Marie Nigonal and Michal O'Donnell, and they released an album back in 1971. Um, and for me, it was one of the best traditional albums that I, I still listen to it to this day. But there was one song that when I hear Michal O'Donnell uh, sing it, it just touches my heart. Unfortunately, uh, Michal O'Donnell was tragically passed away a few years ago. I think he had an accident and yeah, it was just heartbreaking. He was too young. But this song for me, um, still just, it's the way he sings it. And it just, it's the epitome of what Irishness is all about. It's an Irish song and it's called Casa on Tugan. Casa um, on Tugan. So Casa on Tugan. 
and uh, I'd love, I'd love if you could play that, Dominic, well, because you know, it's one of I my most favorites. definitely will. So let's take a minute, sit back and relax and listen to Michal O'Donnell agus Eid Connacht Cossack on Tuagon. And I'm talking to Senator Francis Black and I'd like you to talk a little bit more just to tell people, I want to, as many people to be aware of the RISE Foundation and actually what it does, what it's about. Yeah, the RISE Foundation um, is an organisation that I set up back in 2009. Um, I had, you know, back in the early 2000s, I'd gone back to college. My mother passed away, Dominic, in, in 2003, and she left us all a small amount of money. And I had left school when I was, you know, 15. Um, and I always feel she was a little bit disappointed that I, I, I um, mm-hmm. left Every, school. Everybody's mommy wants them to go to college, really, don't they? And, yeah. and, I mean, and I it's great that it'd be more people me. could. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she wanted me to go to college. I think it was more she would have liked me to have finished do you know to do my leaving but I never did I hated school Dominic. I hated it but anyway Didn't we all <laughs> so yeah so anyway I, I um when she passed away I, I said I wanted to kind of you know wasn't much money but I wanted to do something that I suppose she would have been proud of and I went back to college to study addiction therapy um I'm intrigued by by addiction and the impact it has you know on the individual how it can rob people of everything that's good in their lives their dignity their respect their finances their family you know and i and i wanted to kind of understand it a little bit more and i went back to study it and i ended up training in the rutland treatment center um and um, which is up there in Knockline, um, and then they kept me on as a local locum therapist there and while i loved the work there and i loved working uh, with with those who are in addiction um i really my my heart went out to the family members 
uh, when they would come in of a Tuesday to kind of talk to the therapist or talk to the group, you yes. know, that their loved mm. one was in and kind of, um, and I just realized that, you know, I remember talking to a few family members who would be so anxious and stressed and worried and almost as lost as the person in addiction, if you know what I mean. Um, and they were almost so anxious and worried that they were almost addicted to the person in addiction. Yeah. And I remember oh, yeah. watching. Very, very understandable. I remember, yeah, I remember watching a young woman walk out the gate of the of the Rutland and her, her, her partner was in with, you know, um, alcohol and gambling and she was so, she had two little children with her. And I remember thinking, why does she not have a team of therapists and why does she not have a, a, a group that she could go to or a program that she could do? Because she needs as much support as the person in addiction. So at that time, um, Stephen Rowan, who was the clinical director um, of, of the Rutland at the time, had just retired. And I, I asked him, would he help me set up um, a, a charitable organisation that would support family members? that we could bring in and train up therapists just to deal with family members. So RISE is just an organisation. We we don't deal with the person in addiction. We only work with the families, families because yeah. I believe that addiction goes to the family like wildfire. And often family members are so stressed and worried and anxious that they can hit a rock bottom just like the person in addiction. So um, I set up the RISE. We ran programmes. We now have a 10-week family programme. We have a one to one service and we have an aftercare program. Um, and at the moment, we actually have a waiting list, Dominic. Um, we have five therapists who are doing our one to ones. We have an online family program now due to COVID. And uh, we have our aftercare, which is online as well. And yeah, it's really, really busy. And more and more people are coming to us looking for support. Um, and bearing in mind, you know, like it's it's parents, it's maybe mothers who have young, you know, maybe a young son or daughter who's in addiction. It's partners, whether you have a, a you know, a partner, a, a husband, course, a wife, whatever. It impacts you know, on the entire entire families and in yeah, actual fact the beyond families. But it isn't yeah. isn't it amazing? And, and it's fantastic. I think that um, that somebody was able to pinpoint this because it is so obvious when you think about it. And yet there wasn't that support. There wasn't those support networks there to give mm. that, you know, that woman walking out the gate with the two children who, yeah. who is just well, as you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know the Rutland do give support, but I just felt she, you know, she needed separate. For me, it's like she was the symbolism of what it's like for family members. There are many, many family members. I mean, she was in a way lucky, I suppose, because she did have support from the Rutland, but there are many, many other family members whose loved one didn't get into recovery, you know, and course, they're yes. lost, they're yeah. lost and anxious and worried and stressed and frightened. And, you know, they're awash with emotions. They might be angry one minute, they might be grieving the next. And I just felt for those who are still living with somebody who is in active addiction it, and to do it in the, the kindest, gentlest way, you know, and it's not about blaming the person in addiction. It's really important to say that. It's just about giving the family members the tools to be able to cope with it, with it yeah. you know, because addiction is a, is a very insidious, horrendous disease or disorder or whatever word you want to put on it. It's awful and it robs the, the actual disorder or the disease robs the person of everything that's good in their it lives. It robs people and, of their lives and, and, and the families, of course. And the family. Yeah. 
so that's what that's just what Rise does and you know we're, we're just supporting family members and as I say we don't deal with the person in addiction if somebody comes to us that has a problem we would refer on to the relevant um, other organisations that are out there but we only work with family members and um, as I say we're, it's come from strength to strength we don't have any government funding so we're always trying to you know, trying to run events and all that kind of stuff. That can be more stressful well, than the actual running of the, the programme. Indeed, and that can, of course, program. be very, very difficult in the current climate, running events yes. <laughs> running event, you know or what, running anything. You know what was, what was really interesting, Dominic, was that um, a group of young students from DCU ran an event only last month, um, and it was like a 24-hour broadcast, television broadcast and a 24-hour radio broadcast, and um, all in aid of the RISE Foundation. And they raised €12,000 for RISE. Oh, fantastic. You know, and that, yeah. that will go straight into our services because we don't have any anything else other than services. You know, mm-hmm. we don't really do any advocacy work or do you know what I mean? And yes. like yeah. there's only yeah. one there's only one person in the office who who does all of the the general manager. But then every everybody else is the is therapists. You know, we have six therapists and they're all working really hard. So it's just to pay their wages, you know. Um, and yeah, so it's it's very very busy and i love the work i love that i love working on the programs i love the family members i love meeting with them i love working with them um and i just love the work i think it's where you know and i know people say francis is your music not everything and i love my music as well but for me the work that i do with the rise foundation it's like when i started to do that work it's like you know that song um i still haven't found what i'm looking for when i Mm. when i started to work in the rise foundation it was like this is it this is what i was meant to do in my life this is what i feel most comfortable doing and um because you know you're 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 guiding people you're giving you're helping people to deal with with trauma i suppose and you're giving them the tools to be able to cope and that feels you know that and feels making right a huge difference in people's lives which is yeah. you know i mean yeah. i think that is more that's more important than any job you'll yeah. ever do whether it be on a stage or anywhere else it, it really yeah. is you know and it's yeah. fantastic francis I, i'm going to ask you have you a third piece of music for us i do and um it has to be neil young uh, for me um, this is all showing my age, really, but Neil it's Young great again. Because I'm going, I'm getting all these from my CD collection. You know, <laughs> it's I, all I've your almost all your as, as well. al- almost as big a collection as RTE, actually. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to pick something from after the gold rush, um, and I there's so many of them. I think probably tell me why is probably one of my favourite songs from after the gold rush. But I'm not going to ask you to play that. I'm going to ask you to play Don't Let It Bring You Down. Let it bring you down It's only castles burning 
Francis, I'm going to say to you thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been a pleasure and an inspiration. Oh, thanks very much, Dominic. Janie Mac. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed talking to you. You made it very easy for me, Dominic. Thanks so much. And you'll... We'll speak again, I hope, soon. And thank you very much. All the best. Long fall. <laughs>